Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, the J10 Initiative. And we're off. And we're off. <laughs> you love to start with that. I do love to start with it. May uh, Gregorian rant rest in peace. <laughs> uh, this is Father Sean. And Father John. Coming to you live from St. Joseph Catholic Parish under construction. Still with a hole in the wall after the garbage truck ran into it. So Hole in the wall. Isn't that typically a good thing? You know, like a hole in the wall place? Yeah, this is definitely a hole in the wall place. So, But we have a nice fire pit outside in the courtyard and the boys are hanging out tonight. And they're, call- right. they're calling it because they got to get up bright and early tomorrow and the semester starts. That's crazy. Do you miss seminary at all? There's aspects of seminary, miss. Uh Obviously, you don't go to seminary to be to to stay a seminary, and you go to seminary to be a priest. I love the priesthood. I'm so happy where I'm at. Uh, but I'll be honest; like, I really struggle with discipline. And one of my goals for 2024 is to be a little bit more disciplined. It's just hard. Um, I would love to not hit snooze every morning, for instance. Yeah, I um, um, I I find on breaks it's like. Everything's up for grabs, especially when I'm living with my parents. And it's sure. like, you got a pre-morning prayer, and the second Mary Nepple locks in, tra- right. tractor beam. Right. Oh, time for coffee. Yeah, my that's mom. right. Yeah. You're praying morning prayer with the Diocese of Guam or whatever. So. <laughs> that's a good way of putting it, actually. Yeah, there was a couple of Guam morning prayers, exactly. <laughs> so do you go home at all with your parents, or do you stay? I, I don't. I mean, I go to their house, but I haven't stayed there in a long time. Um not necessarily for any reason. I just love my bed. I mean, you even offered for me to stay here tonight, but I'm like, I just love my bed. <laughs> so a homebody. I know I'm turning into my pastor. So. You, yeah, try not to do that. You know, we love your pastor, but be yourself. I don't know. Six, six months sabbatical sounds pretty nice. Well, you're getting you're on your way there. <laughs> Seven more years, and you can apply for your sabbatical. So so they say. Yeah, sabbaticals are an interesting thing. I mean, I, I people kind of like married people kind of laugh when they hear that that priests go on sabbaticals. It's like right. yeah, that's cute, you know. Yeah. You get six months to rest. Oh. We will never have that. Believe me, I hear that. I hear that a lot lately. Yeah, so. but I do think that um, priesthood is not. Uh, it's not a job. Uh, it, it's hard to explain, and I think that uh, we just need we need healthy guys. I mean, uh, I I don't think that. I mean, I don't want to show my cards here and be like, you should never have a sabbatical. I, I think that there's a, there's a reason for it and a need for it, but mm-hmm. we can't, we can't have priests burning out. Yeah. And if that's going to help a guy, you know, you've heard me say that many times before. Workaholism sure. is not too much work. Yeah. Um, it's an inordinate attachment to work. Sure. It's the way that we work that yeah. burns us out. Um, and I think that, but just honestly being, out of the seminary for the last two weeks, had two weddings, had a funeral, had an anointing, and I was just like reminded of like parish life. Parish life, it's it's intense. Yeah, it, it and, and it's a human intensity. It's a it's a kind of like emotional exhaustion. Right. It's not so much like oh, I'm so inundated with email or whatever it might be, you know, yeah. and uh, that kind of thing. You, you can't step away from it right. in terms of just the intensity of it. And so now you're in it and. Mm-hmm how are you doing? You made it a week. Yeah. Don't no, get me started. Don't get me started. I love it though. Like it's, it, parish life is great. Um, and you're right. Like there's, there's an intensity to it, but it's, it's, it's beautiful. Like you're walking with people in the most intimate moments of their lives, which is, which is amazing. Uh, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't trade it. Who knows where I'll be next year in three years. I don't know. We don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens with the young church as I call him. Father Sean Conroy. 
That's right. So the um, yeah, but you you made it through seminary, and you give these the guys thing, you give these guys hope when you come over because it's just oh, it's it so feels fun. like semester after semester after yeah. semester. It's just the the kind of slog. But what I was gonna say th- with that is like it's the it's the structured life that I miss. Yeah. I'm just like every day you wake up and more or less you do the same thing. It's like repeated holy hour, repeated classes, mass at noon every day. And then like two to five is like, or two to six is like your time to either work out, study, pray, whatever you want to do, whatever you need to do, run an errand, do laundry. I don't know. And then it's like uh, evening prayer, dinner, hang out time with the brothers. Like it's just so structured and there's like an ease to that. Yeah. Like I have my inbox of emails of like, not, not that the emails, it's more of just like, Hey, come over for dinner. Hey, come over for dinner. I'm just like, I don't know when I'm going to fit all these in. Yeah. And like, I say that as like I feel very loved and I feel very supported and and by by everyone by the parishioners and whatnot and I want to be generous and but it's just it's hard to fulfill all that you know it is it's infinite demand you know finite resources it's all you have I feel finite you are finite <laughs> so. uh, and your finitude is a good thing it's part of your created structure of your being so you know it's it's all good but you're doing. <clears throat> The, the the big question, I think, for a priest is generativity. Mm. Do I feel like I'm generating life? Yeah. Do I feel like my gift of self is generative? Is it meaningful? Is it purposeful? And, you know, we're going to get up tomorrow morning and we're going to ski with a bunch of yes. young d- dads and their families and their kids. And it's like, what's that? Gonna, is that generative? And, mm. and I think deep down it really is. Yeah. Um, you know, um, so... Be careful though, holding holding my my nephews are squirrely on those ski lifts. <laughs> they just kind of, especially I, Micah. He's just a oh he's man. a he's a huge noodle. He's just gonna kind of slip out of your arm. I put my arm around him, and they're always like, "Zeal, let me let me do it." And I'm like, "No, I don't trust you because you're gonna go right That's under that awesome. thing." So Jackson served mass this morning, and I was like, "Jackson." You excited to ski tomorrow? And he just looked at me like I had three heads. I was like, you know you're going skiing tomorrow, right? Yeah, he's kind of an angsty nine-year-old. So I'm like, Katie, just wait until he's a teenager. He's going to be like me, which is going to be rather difficult to parent. One wild ass of a man, as that, we say. That is true. That is true. But I think that the, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a great semester, and we're going to be walking through it together. And, uh, and you're also training up because you have a big 10 years of biking ahead of you. That's true. This 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 never ending bet that we're gonna hear about on this podcast forever. I can't wait till I win and you're forty, and then we make a new bet, another decade long bet. Love it. Yeah. No, who knows what that will be? Yeah. If we're old, it'll have to be like how slow can you go or something, not how fast you can go. That is true. Larkin made fun of me. He was like, in your twenties, you climbed all the fourteeners and read all of Balthazar's books. In your thirties, it's going to be like conquering Nebraska's lakes and reading all of Agatha Christie. And I was like, yeah, that that's probably it's fitting it's fitting it's fitting so except it didn't happen it didn't happen you haven't gotten lame yet nope thanks to you thanks to my my one comrade in arms here at the companions who's still absolutely awesome so eric varden has a new book do you see that sitting right there is that bishop varden bishop varden yep chastity i've heard a lot about it i think um deacon jacob said he wants to podcast on it oh yeah well we won't be doing that with him um but yeah bishop varden has Okay, I, I must preface this. I'm stalling a little bit because I don't know <laughs> how this podcast is going to go. Please, please, please. I've been having like the worst block of like what topic should I do? Yeah. So the topic tonight is uh, it's going to be, um, well, I don't want to ruin the spoiler alert yet. 
but it's, it's someone that something that someone texted me, but it's not going to be a super long uh, topic. So we'll see how long we can drag it out. But anyways, send me some topics. I would love to know uh, Stuff podcast at gmail.com. What do you want us to podcast on? What do you want me to podcast on? I have a few ideas that are floating in the mind, uh, but some of them just take more research. Uh, Bishop Varden Chastity would be good. He had a great response and article on uh, Fiducia Supplicans. Oh, okay. Maybe we should do one on Fiducia Supplicans, but that's one that will just take a little bit more nuance, a little bit more research. Um, the most recent document from Pope Francis uh, about blessings and blessings of, of unions and what that looks like. You know, we should get on that, po- or we should have on that podcast is J.D. Flynn. Mm. He's coming to speak to the deacons this year, this oh, really? week about that. He's going to do a little conference the for them. permanent deacons or the... The transitional, transitional deacons, so awesome. guys to be ordained uh, this year. I wanted him to speak the whole seminary, but didn't didn't work out. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I think that the uh, we've been doing this, you've been doing this long enough to know it's it's not exactly just kind of, you know, every once in a while hit a bit of a desert for topic ideas and these things. So, That's But true. it also doesn't have to be that long because 14 years ago we started the podcast and the first one was... Seven minutes. Seven minutes long. That's right. It was a Stylites. Lame, lame and weird seven minutes for anybody who's listened to it. But That was a good podcast. I think that uh, you should be free with the length of this thing tonight. Great. So, yeah. Easy enough. Okay. No pressure. I mean, we have more than 49 hours, apparently. Apparently. <laughs> um. Where did you celebrate Christmas Mass? Breckenridge, which okay. was awesome because I skied in between the Masses. No way. Christmas yeah. Eve or Christmas? Christmas Eve, I had the 10, 4, and the 6, and I was like, I'm going right to Breck. 10, 4, 6. Okay. Yeah, it was fantastic. Awesome. They uh, rented out the Riverwalk Center. If anybody's listening to this year over in Breckenridge uh, for Christmas, it's, it's the, the kind of town auditorium, which holds 700 people. It's indoor, though, right? Indoor. Okay. And it was, it was full. It was it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. First time in my life where I have had a four. I really don't like the four p.m. mass. Yeah, on Christmas Eve, probably my least favorite mass of the year. Which is funny because this generally was the speaking. first year I had it and I loved it. Did you? But I think that's. Were you in a church? I was in a church. There were babies crying, but like it was still reverent, which is not the norm. Well, I I've only been a parochial vicar. I've never been a pastor, and you have two parishes, so that's that's kind of different. Sure. But I mean, I'm usually like. In the hall. Sideshow Bob, is that his name from, from <laughs> Simpsons? I'm always the sidekick who's in the basement with like all the leftover people who just kind of roll in 20 minutes late and it's just an absolute madhouse. Yeah. Um, but this one in Breck, absolute silence mm. through the Eucharistic prayer. Couldn't believe it. Yeah. They were either stunned or completely bored and asleep <laughs> by my homily. But whatever it was, it was... It was it was amazing. Yeah. So, do you have any advice to young priests or young seminarians about how do you preach at a Christmas Eve mass because it's different? It is different. I think uh, the 10 p.m. is going to lend itself to a little bit deeper, obviously. But if you're at the 4 p.m., the big mass where all the families are there, you want to keep it a little bit shorter um, than probably you normally would think to preach on, like a solemnity or whatever. Um, and then I would say, like practical points are helpful. You want to be able to dive into the heart for sure, but I would say lean on more of the practicals because you have so many priesters there, as we call them, right? Christmas and Easter's only. Um, don't preach about the Sunday obligation. Preach about God's mercy, God's love for them. Yeah, it's good. So that's that's what I kind of went with. I will say, being in the city is more unique because it's the suburbs that tend to get the big influx. So we just had a deanery meeting. 
uh, St. Thomas More apparently had like 2,500 people there for 4 p.m. mass. Oh, so man. they had three masses simultaneously in the church, in the hall, and in the gym. I'm like, that's insane. That is insane. Whereas we had one mass at 4 p.m., like a city parish. We just don't get the influx. Yeah. It was big. It was one of the most packed masses of the whole year. We had about 500 people there in a church that, <clears throat> church that seats about 420, so 80 extra people, standing room only, but it didn't feel like too overwhelming, I guess. That's good. That's good to so, hear. Yeah. And that's coming, folks, from a Lord's priest who's saying, keep it short. All right, <laughs> so just right. hold him to that if you're listening to this podcast and you're from Our Lady Lords. Hold me to it. Father Brian's going to get back from sabbatical and he's be like, why is Mass only 40 minutes now? <laughs> yeah. Keep it an hour. I think that's, uh, that's a good good practice. I know it's not always the practice of Lords, but, uh, you know, that's good. So, I, yeah, it's, it's the parents of the young children who say, Father, can you just keep it shorter? It is true. That's um, true. Kids just melt down. Just can't. Oh, you know. we hear them. Yeah. I hear them. You hear them, yeah. Um, um, anyways, part of the reason why I asked that question is because one of the questions I've gotten in the past, um, last year, it's just hard to stretch this topic out forever, but just how should a Catholic dress at Mass? Oh. And so I'm thinking about Christmas Mass, and what was interesting for me about Christmas Mass, especially at the 4 p.m., is you had some of these families that were like, they just went all out. And I thought it was so cute of like their three little girls walk in, they're wearing their cute little Christmas dresses and they're like in first grade or whatever. So they have like bow ties on and like, it's, it's just really sweet, especially after seeing them at Sunday morning mass that morning. Right. Cause Christmas was on a Sunday. Um, and cause I saw them twice in one day. It was just like, it was super cool of like, they really wanted to dress up and like, this is a special occasion. And then you had other people who were like, and jeans and a t-shirt and i'm like this is christmas eve mass like why why don't you dress up a little bit more but uh, was it a viore t-shirt because those are classy Do i don't viore? I, I got a viore. viore i'm wearing a viore t-shirt that i got for christmas so yeah they're very uh nice and soft soft and stylish classy classy i'm just joking okay um, yeah um but you know what i mean and so that's why i was curious where you celebrated mass breckenridge i imagine there's other people coming off the slopes with you so they may have just been in ski gear but like what, what was your experience this year with christmas dress i think that you know dress is it's an interesting thing because the temptation we always face with this question is um how do we not moralize everything mm-hmm. you know tying back to two weeks ago on the podcast on the religion of the day everything is being interpreted as like this kind of moralistic um like you just do what you're told then you got to put on your nice clothes but reverence is a real virtue mm. When uh, Dietrich von Hildebrand wrote a beautiful book um, called The Art of Living. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's right up there. And he talked about reverence as the foundational virtue. Mm-hmm. And reverence is not just externals. It's not just dressing nice. But reverence is a, is a whole posture towards reality. It's mm-hmm. a kind of way of acknowledging things are greater than myself. Um, and so when you dress up your three- and five-year-old's it says something to them. It forms them in a habit of like, this is different. Mm. This is really important for us. And yeah, they're precognitive and their, you know, frontal cortexes aren't formed or whatever. You know, um, I think mine is just forming at this point at 40 years old. So you got a couple more years <laughs> to go. Um, but it, it does as Catholics, we believe that externals matter not because of moralistic reasons, but because of our sacramental worldview, mm-hmm. which means that visible things express invisible realities. So there's something about the whole way we think about life that you don't just roll in 
um, dress like you're going to the Broncos game or whatever. When I was in Aurora, that was always the thing. Every, yeah. every Sunday, oh, my God. People wear their Broncos jerseys. Bright orange everywhere, and you're just like, what is this? Why don't you have your bright orange chasuble then? Exactly, exactly. I'll rock the Avs jersey tomorrow. At the Avs When game. I go to the Avs right, game. Right, right, right. And, and that is symbolic, mm-hmm. right? That's a symbolic act of, like, I am definitively an Avs fan. I mean, one of the most shameful moments of my life was uh, my buddy Dan Sovacool said to me, uh, he now lives in Portugal, but at the time he lived in Aurora and he was a parishioner at Queen of Peace. And he says, um, I got front front row hockey tickets next week. Let's go to the game. I was like, I'm down. He goes, one condition. You got to wear a Buffalo Sabres jersey. No. And he put me in a Sabres jersey and we were behind the Sabres bench. And um, I was like, I am just totally a sellout. I'm a total sellout. I don't even like the Sabres. Glass not, seats though. It was it, – so – what we wear matters. Mm-hmm. I, I actually, on the hut trip, I don't know if you were privy to this. It was a really stupid decision on my part, which is classic. But Yoga pants? Yoga pants. Yes, I was there for this. <laughs> I offended all of the women in the hut because I was, just, I was just like, I'm not saying this to be judgmental. To be pejorative. This is not a pejorative statement. This is truly inquisitive. Yeah. When did yoga pants become normative pants? Right. For women. Just right. tell me when that happened. That's all I'm asking. And of course I got side comments and yeah. and evil like, looks I feel for like the rest you're just of the- judging me right now. Yeah. Because I'm in my yoga pants. Exactly. Which I'm like, it's fine. Like, whatever. I, one I, was like, but these aren't Lululemon. They're like hot chili peppers. <laughs> well, it's just I mean, I went to REI before the hut trip and it was just like Yeah. Come on, ladies, what are we doing here? Yeah. It's and like everyone's working out. It's, it's ridiculous. It's active wear. Yeah. everything and so so clothing matters it's symbol we've talked about this before on the podcast we did a very controversial bikinis podcast a year ago that i got a lot of oh, really? flack for that was, that. that was a long time ago um hundreds of episodes ago um but it 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 does matter hmm. and you have to think about that and yeah. so i i think that the the question is is a really good one um i haven't given an answer for it but i just want to acknowledge like I had a funeral. Um, my uncle passed away. Everybody's in black. Mm. There's a reason for that. Yeah, like that's that's it's important. Like to to dress according. Yeah, people dress up for weddings. Like there was like, um, it was actually funny. My wedding at Lord's. I had two weddings over Christmas, and one of them, um, everybody was dressed to the nines and looked great. The second one, it was kind of like, mm, you know, like some of the people, yeah. and they just they didn't know they were they're not, but. There's something about, and, and Colorado is very casual. relaxed, Super very, casual. very casual with everything. I mean, East Coast, you go out there and it's like every, everybody's just kind of more dressed up in these kind of things. There's something good about that. Yeah. Um, so that's just my first thought is like, how do you yeah. not moralize it um, and and lead to a deeper kind of, right. this speaks of the way that we think about our bodies and the way that we think about reverence in particular. Right. Yeah. Theology of the body for sure. Um yeah, I don't want to like shame anyone of like, cause, cause we've been there. I've been there. You know, I remember, and, and we weren't like the most um, practicing family. We didn't go to mass every Sunday, but I will say I do have a couple of memories of like coming from a soccer game or baseball game and still in our uniform, but we still went to mass, right? which I'm like, it's good that we went, you know, it's better that we went than didn't go. But I think as a, as probably a boy, uh, a young boy, it's probably almost like, look at me, I'm in my baseball uniform, or whatever, like, it's cool. But I can imagine for like a girl, it's probably like, I don't want anyone to see me right now. Like, uh, I'd rather be blending in or whatever, you know, and, and maybe that's a little too generalized. But, um, but I do think there's something there of like, 
do we have to come in our baseball uniform? No. Should we have? No. And again, like I'm not trying to shame anyone because I was there. We've all done different things like that. But I think uh, it's good to think about because our body has a language to it, right? We we express something through the external signs. And uh, I think when you dress nicely, like you're going to be a little bit more self-confident in like a work interview, right? And so I think the, the question for me that I've always thought of like, this is the most important thing that we do on Sundays that we should be doing on Sundays is coming to mass, taking our families to mass. I don't know what it's like to get five kids ready in the morning. Um, I will never know what that's like, but I do think there's something powerful when I walk in to Lord's Lord's is a unique place. I will say that there's this one family who color coordinates with the liturgical season. Oh, wow. So third Sunday of Advent, uh, Garete Sunday, they're all wearing pink, which I just absolutely loved. Right, and we always have families like the Advent wreath, so they get cho- chosen to light the Advent wreath to process in the procession, light the Advent wreath because they're all wearing pink. So, do the pink people do that? They do. Yeah, okay. yeah, I love it. And you have a pink hat now. You're ready for Laetare Sunday in Lent. That's right. It's coming up. The best pro shops. Um, thanks to John Rimstad. Um, but same with like uh, Pentecost. So where the that whole family wears red. Right. I think there's something fitting to that. But I don't want to say like get weird about it. I think my point is just like we dress nicely and it shows something about us. And I think when you go to work and you dress a certain way, my so so here's definitively what I would say. Concretely, I would say dress one step higher than you do for work. Now it's tricky because a lot of people wear sweatpants to work because they work at their in their bedroom in their um, at home or whatever. Well, then that person, okay, maybe you wear jeans on Sunday. Uh, if, if you're in a casual place where that's kind of acceptable, fine, go for it. But I would say if you wear jeans to work every day, could you dress one step higher than that? Because it, it sets you apart on your Sunday from what you normally do on a weekday. Maybe you wear a suit to, to work every day. Well, I would challenge you, could you also wear that on Sunday? Because it's, I want to dress better than what I do for work. That's my opinion, but I do think there's something there of like, let me dress better than what I normally do during the week. And things are degenerating. I mean, we were talking on the hut trip about like um, college kids yeah, PJs. in pajamas. PJs to class. All the time. Just in, it, just all the time. This is just like a normal thing now. It's just like, and some families that we love that we know, you know, mm-hmm. who, I mean, it's just like, what is happening? Yeah. And again, like I have to fight myself to be like, put shoes on, you're going to mass. <laughs> Put shoes on. Right. Don't wear Birkenstocks. Right. I love my Birks. It's Sunday Mass. It's the Epiphany or whatever it is. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, this is different. Yeah. The other thing I think about with Sundays is we got to shift our mentality from thinking that Sunday is the last day of the week. This mm-hmm. is the last thing that we do to Correct. it's like, this is the beginning of the week. Right. You set the tone for the week. Correct. The Sabbath, the, the Christian Sabbath, which is the Lord's Day, which is Sunday, because Christ fulfills Saturday mm-hmm. in his Sabbath rest on Holy Saturday and is resurrected, and that becomes, that's where it, it transfers in Christ to those of us who are born in Christ, which is what it means to be a Christian, where we actually say, this is how we start the week. Mm-hmm. So it's your first act of the week to go to Mass on Sunday. It's the first thing you do to, to give praise to God and then to give Him the week instead of like trying to fit it in at the end of the week. Um, and I think that's this a very interesting shift that's happened in our modern world. Right. Yeah, and even that's scriptural, right? We forget that in Genesis, God creates first and foremost on Sunday because he rests on the Sabbath, which for the Jew is Saturday, right? The seventh day was Saturday. And so it actually 
like reorders it to say, no, 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 Sunday is the first day. How do you get families to, because you're in such an anomalous place. I mean, the Lord's community is just, is, is pretty exceptional, I it would is. say, in terms yeah. of just reverence and, and, and kind of fidelity to the church. And like, it's just, it's going to be interesting to see your, your future parish assignments and be like, wow, this is really, cause that was not yeah. my experience. It's going to be hard like, to move. Yeah. You know, two years, it was like sorority girls coming in their <laughs> Lululemon and it's right. like, you're not going to go after this. Right. So how do you, how do you deal with it? But also like the masses become something that's unintelligible to most modern people. Mm. It's like a foreign language. Right. Like anybody who's lived abroad who sucks in languages like myself <laughs> knows that like you just feel awkward and confused and then you get tired and bored. Mm-hmm. And so how do we like help people to experience the liturgy as something that is deeply meaningful and actually interpret this goes back to the last conversation we had, but like this, this actually is the source of the interpretation of my life. Yeah. Um, that scripture, I, I preached about this on sat on that East, the fourth Sunday of Advent, which was hours before Christmas started. Mm-hmm. I told the people in Breckenridge, I was like, you're like varsity Catholics. If you're here, yeah. like you guys are all stars. Yeah. The fact that you're here at 10 o'clock in the morning, you're coming back t- tonight or tomorrow. Like you guys are rock stars. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, what I, one of the things I said was we have to try and shift our mentality to living according to the liturgical year. Mm-hmm. instead of trying to fit it into our life because like the fourth Sunday of advent is really key the readings like what the church is saying meditate on this it's really really important which is always mary which is always mary yep exactly so they got a bunch of recycled mariology for me <laughs> but it's it's super important for interpreting how we approach christmas it's the last kind of link of the year the last moment of Advent, it's it's turning our attention. Everything is so, everything has been thought out for centuries. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like the liturgy of the Catholic Church yeah. that exists in the world. This thing has been honed and 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 developed and deepened for for millennium. Mm-hmm. And so to think like, oh, this is just extrinsic to my kind of techno modern life, and really a burden on it. It's like, no, 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 we're missing something of it. And I don't know, I don't know how to help people do that. And that's yeah. that's more your task than it is mine. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. And um, I think we live in such a fast-paced culture as well. So it's like, I just jump from one thing to the next. So I might not even be for I might not even be thinking about it, right? Um, but I don't know. I, I think uh, special holidays lend itself to dressing in a certain way as well, right? So th- that was the, the second point I was going to get to of like, okay, I, I go to Sunday Mass, that looks different, but should Christmas and Easter also look different of like, these are really big days set apart, you know, right. These are things that like help us to live, uh, the rest of the liturgical year, uh, by saying that the incarnation and the resurrection are like the two central mysteries, or I guess the Trinity uh, are the two central mysteries of the faith. Right. But if, if we locate those in the liturgical year and say like, I want these to be the highlight, which the liturgy does itself. So I would say, like, how do we teach people to do this? Well, I think it starts with the priest. So to your point, I'm just like, don't wear your sandals every, like, every Sunday, maybe the second Sunday. Daily board, Mass. Maybe Daily Mass or the maybe. second Sunday of Ordinary Time or whatever, right? I wear socks and stocks, though. So, Sock, Birkin socks, yeah, or, or sockos, as we call them. Um, but control the things that you can control, right? So, like, make the liturgy beautiful, and then people are going to want to buy into that. And then... Uh, it's hard, as you said, not to moralize it, but encourage your EMs and your lectors because those are the people seen 
if they dress nice, I think other people will follow suit. Um, but I would agree. Like, how do we not make it a moral thing? I don't know. Well, it is a moral thing. And I'm not trying to just hate on moral theology. I'm, I, it is a moral thing. What you do with your body matters. That how is, you yes. dress matter, matters. Yep. So, there's a moral dimension to human life. We sure. can't just be anti-morality. Like, that's the... And I'm really not trying to say that. What I'm trying to say is moralism is just this kind of Correct. system of arbitrary beliefs that are not in any way metaphysically connected, which means that they're not connected to our being. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it's right when like a little kid walks in the sacristy and because he's not wearing black shoes, the priest looks at him and goes, sorry, you can't serve. It's like, there's a tension there, right? Like, right. I don't want to say like, this is all bad because you're not following the rules. It's like, no, no like God is merciful and God is good which is why we should respond generously to this. Right. But how do we teach people that God is merciful first? It's not just like, oh, you didn't wear the right shoes. You're not serving today. Right. And maybe at the risk of like, if somebody hears this and they're like, oh, you know, maybe allow this occasion to just reflect on how, we're, how are we living? Mm. What are we living for? Like, is it good that you're at mass in your baseball uniform? Yeah, it's really good. But maybe sports have become your God. Mm. And maybe you're trying to fit in mass in the midst of you've overcommitted and you've fallen victim to the, the, the whole sports culture is, is really dysfunctional. I mean, I, I really, I attribute our obsession with hockey and the kind of keeping up with the Joneses type things, um, to like, this became our God as a family. And then it just eventually pushed out the practice of the faith. And so on the front end, there really has to be a discernment of the families from, I think, a pretty early age to say, what are we doing? What does Sunday look like? Because you you can't, so time for you to go to bed. (laughs) Sean's watch this one. The nine o'clock alarm. That's good. But I think think that it it really comes down to like, it's enveloped within the larger question of the Sabbath of like, Mm -hmm. do we rest as a family? And what does that look like? And I understand there's sports commitments and there's different things and I hope your hockey player kids are not showing up because they stink, probably. <laughs> and you know that just as well as I do. Being a hockey, hockey player, yeah. they better shower up afterwards, and they can put a, they can put a collared shirt on. Yeah. I don't think your kids need to be in suits, um, but yeah, elevate elevate the culture for the mass. And if you're coming to a church that does that well, when reverence is established and normative mm-hmm. in family life, you feel it totally. And we have to match that with a liturgy that is reverent. Correct. Because if you show up and we're singing a new church into being and it's just a, it's just freaking sideshow Bob and, you know, bad yeah. homilies and it's just it's just kind of what are we doing what are we doing here? Yeah. You know? Um, and so I, I really think that like we gotta kinda get it together a bit on our end in terms of liturgically to say, Yeah, this is like this is the the most solemn moment of the week. It's the first and it's the most beautiful, and it's the most familial. Yeah. And to try and shift our mentality away from like church is this kind of conglomerate, kind of corporate structure where the priest just kind of floats in out of the ether and kind of does this liturgy and then kind of disappears for the week instead of just like this is the most familial moment ever. Mm. And this is festivity at its height, and that demands something of me. Yeah. And I should want to just look really good. Right. Instead of just looking kind of slovenly and just kind of rolling in and rolling out and doing that thing. Right. So I'm with you. I just don't know how you communicate that. And I think we have to be very sensitive to where people are at. True. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it, it comes naturally if there's a culture. Right. But the question is, how do you form the culture? And maybe if it's on your heart to, to start that culture, like be that person in the parish that starts it. 
Um, but do it, do it gently. Like if people are still wearing shorts or I don't know, I don't know. I'm probably offending people. Uh, right. Don't be the person that just like wears a suit and tie when no one else is because you're going to look out of place. Like you, you got to just do it one step at a time, I think. Um, so you can create the culture, but yeah. Well, and there's no right practice, right? Sure. It's not like, cause we're living in this weird time where it's like 80% of Catholics are basically just like, whatever, man. It's that kind of progressive spirit of like, you know, you're lucky we're here. We're the few that are here. And it's like, okay, sure. that's true. Yeah. And then you got the crazy 20% who are just like, if you're not in a suit every week and you know, there's no way my wife will ever wear pants kind of thing. It's like, you're just getting weird. Right. So there's not like, this is, this is the dress code. Mm-hmm. I have a dress code at the seminary. Mm-hmm. They, these guys have to wear what I say. Right. You're going to wear your cassock and circles for mass. You're going to be in chapel casual for dinner. You're going to be in clerics, whatever. That's not how human life is normally kind of operated. We live in a very, very kind of closed, very specific environment. Yeah. So there's not just like, this is this is the right thing to do. So I, I think that people need to really think about it, about like, how do we express reverence as a family? How do we take the virtues and the qualities that we want to articulate and, and actually concretize? Because mm. that's what clothing does, is sure. it concretizes values. Yeah. And we don't think about that anymore. When you wear Lululemon pants, or freaking not even pants, <laughs> what do you even call them? Tights. Yeah. You're concretizing values. Mm-hmm. And, and that's dangerous if those are the wrong values. Mm. But you're actually doing it. And it's like, oh, a bunch of two priests sitting around talking about clothing again, <laughs> just a classic kind of thing. Um, so I, I, I just think that at least pose the question yeah. to people and to say there's there's really not a right answer, but we do need to elevate this, this really should look different. Yeah. This should just feel different. Yeah, for sure. Maybe the last point before wrapping it up, just to, to tie in something else here, um, would just be, cause this has been in my mind. It's just like new year's resolutions. Lent is coming up, which is crazy. Ash Wednesday is, do you know, Valentine's, Valentine's day, day, which is going to be crazy. Um, it's great for us. Great for celibates. That's yeah. right. Um, but it's going to be, uh, yeah, it's just been in my mind, like, because I, I, I'll be honest, it's what January six. I have yet to create goals for this year, which not that you have to. I personally enjoy making some goals and resolutions. So I'll have to say, like, what do you want your twenty twenty four to look like? What do you want your Lent to look like? What changes do you want to make? And maybe one change could just be like, I want to dress better for mass. I want to dress better in life. I want to my body to express something, my externals to express something that's actually going on internally. Um, just a thought. And I would even say, maybe like, and again, I don't mean to take something you just said that's very practical and make it more abstract, <laughs> but I want to be more intentional about mass. You know, like one of the things is like, I'm never going to build up a community if I'm floating to different mass times. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. Right. And I understand there's people listening to this who are like, that's not going to happen. We got to kind of, we got to, we're bouncing. We're mm-hmm. doing, we're getting, we're, we're doing what we can. We got four kids or whatever. I get it. I get it. But you're not going to build up a community unless you're you're a staple of the community mm. like where you're a regular where this is where that you know people you see the same people you do the same things um so i think the larger intentionality around mass is the, is the key we got to recover the sabbath and and i think that it starts with us as priests right i mean we wear the same thing every day yeah. jordan lynch was telling me he's like you know one of the reasons i would have loved to have been a priest this is my brother-in-law he's like 
you wear the same thing every day. Right. I was like, it's pretty nice. Yeah, you don't have to think about it. You just figure out which undershirt you're going to wear and which stupid hat you're going to wear like that one over there. <laughs> ridiculous. So it's ridiculous. You're so jealous. I'm definitely not jealous. It. It's ridiculous. But I think intentionality is at, it has to be at the forefront of our minds as Christians because the world that we're living in is so fast paced and technology is, is sweeping it away faster and faster every year that it's like, what are the priorities of our family life mm-hmm. or my personal life? If you're not married, what are the priorities? What does that look like? And then, if you're already hearing this and you're like, I'm nailing it, I'm crushing it, then freaking don't judge people. Right, yeah. Because that's the other thing. Now, I, I think the, the judgy Christians don't listen to this podcast because I think they're really annoyed by the banter and kind of the, the approach we take on these things. Sure. So that's probably not the main problem. But like, absolutely do not. There's nothing that comes from, from these false judgments. Yeah, yeah and, and if you have the false judgment, the worst thing you can do is go up to that person and be like, why, why are you dressed that way like that, that's just not helpful you know and i think like there's already i i tend to think people have enough awareness of like oh i'm in you know shorts or whatever and everyone else is like wearing slacks or i, I don't know like whatever the example is like people have awareness of like i don't fit in right like i, I have earlier this year we had this um i mean it, it was a nicer dinner uh for all the volunteers of our parish and i'm in my clerics but then i'm wearing a hoodie and then Larkin comes up to me, my pastor, and he's just like, wow, I see you really dressed up for this. And like, I got so angry in that moment. Uh, I wanted to say things. And I was just like, thanks. And then I just walked away. I was so upset. Uh, and then later I made fun of him because he doesn't even button up his collar half the time. Um, but I already felt out of place. of like, yeah, I probably shouldn't be wearing this hoodie right now. But it was a little chilly. And I didn't have anything else. I didn't have time to run home. Uh, I didn't even thought about it like before I walked in. Like, I probably shouldn't be in my hoodie right now. Uh, but I was, and I already felt like ashamed of it. And then Larkin just made me feel worse. <laughs> yeah, that's not helpful. Yeah, knowing social cues and kind of recovering uh, a reverential culture, these these are the kind of key things that are involved in it. rebuilding a culture around our experience of being Catholic. Mm. It's not just about paying the dues, getting your one hour a weekend, and then moving on with your life. The whole thing has to shift and be centered around the Eucharistic love of the Son for the Father, which is what we experience in the Mass, which is the most privileged and powerful and beautiful thing that we'll ever experience in this life. Amen. And that's where it starts. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, um, sorry, there's always one more thing, as you know, but uh, one of the ways we can reclaim culture and Catholic culture is to celebrate feasts that actually are feasts, right? What do we go and celebrate? We celebrate whatever throughout the week and Fridays and right three-day weekends. We love those. But like, what if we celebrated Holy Days of Obligation with like major ragers, if I can say that, like, right. You just had the, the movable feast announcements, the assumption. I don't even know what day of the week that falls on this year, but August 15th, what if you had like a big barbecue with all your friends, uh, to kind of close out the summer on August 15th, maybe it falls on a Wednesday this year. I don't know. Midweek. That'd be awesome. You know, or, or, uh, Christmas, it always comes, come, uh, comes natural, but even December 8th or, uh, I don't know. I'm forgetting my feast at the top of my head right now. But like the movable feasts that aren't set on like the weekend, middle of the week, that'd be awesome. And then people walk by your house like, what are you celebrating? We're like, oh, we're Catholic. We're celebrating the Assumption. Come on over. Like, come in. Like, celebrate what, what truly matters. I think I think that's right on. I mean, I, I think, and also there's there's kind of two levels to it. There's There's the seasons, liturgical seasons, and then there's 
there's the feasts of the saints, and we love the saints. And mm-hmm. your kids should have patron saints, and they should celebrate that. You know, my nephews are have figured out the logic of this. So Jackson's like, "Hey, I'm tapping in on it. It's not just John of the Cross who's his patron <laughs> from his baptism." Now he's like, "Now it's John Paul II. I want to celebrate both." But at Lord's, at your school, it's very common to bring gifts to the kids. You bring candy or something on your patronal feast day. Correct. Yeah, that instills something in a child to say, "My patron saint is mine." And also belongs in heaven and is real. Mm-hmm. And it affects the way that we do things. Correct. Yeah. And it kind of breaks down this kind of baseline, kind of postmodern secular worldview, which nullifies everything and, and creates a kind of empty nihilism. Yeah. Like there's, the, there's no sense of that. Mm-hmm. We're stepping back into the school tomorrow. Like it's, it's time for me to stop feasting. Right. But I had a funny conversation with your sacristan, or one of them, not 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 Judy, um, a different <laughs> one, not Judy Berry. Um, but it was like um, my friends and I were talking about whether we should be having um, abstaining from meat on the Friday of the octave of Christmas, and I was like, mm. I don't know. That seems like a really weird thing to like be preoccupied about. Yeah, it seems like you should be feasting. Feasting, yeah, feasting during the octave. Like, why would you be fasting? And they were like, oh, that was a terrible answer. And I was like, whatever. So there isn't a kind of an obsession. The maladie catholique, as the French say, like the, the Catholic sickness of like just getting obsessed about rules and obligations. And it's like, no, 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 take things seriously. Live more intentionally as Catholics. Elevate your dress. And then feast well. And the only way to feast well is to fast. To fast well, yep. That's it. It's the only way we can do it. And I'm terrible at it. We're drinking bourbon right now. But it is Sunday. And, you know, and I, I think that it matters. So th- it's a great, this is a great uh, kind of um, occasion to start as we're starting into the year just to say, hey, let's, like, let's just get more intentional about the way that we live our Catholic life. Let's take seriously the sacramental worldview that we have. Yep. Um, let's put reverence at the front of our hearts again and realize that that will open us to God in a new way. Yeah. Amen. Amen. We got a podcast out of it. <laughs> Thank you. This is great. You were nervous. Send- I was nervous. Uh, send in your podcast topic ideas. I'm in a dry spell. I could use some uh, topics. He's all up in despair. Um, do you have any shout-outs? I don't think I do. I think I got them all knocked up Great. last week. I'd like to shout out my um, RCA class. Uh, it's just been really fun teaching RCA this year. I don't know if anyone listens to the podcast. I have yet to advertise it, but maybe I will soon. You should, shamelessly. Um, they're great folk. We have uh, just an awesome... But anyways, I was thinking about them today because we had breaking up in the word and uh, it was just good to see them. And um, I think probably about 15 to 20 of them will become Catholic, uh, which is really exciting. So. That's good. Um, what was I going to say? I, I should probably shout out Riley Helgo, who just found out that I threw him under the bus in the last <laughs> podcast. And Brett, I guarantee this is what happened in the two weeks between those two podcasts being posted. Brett Rotz in Rome... <laughs> Listen to the podcast. He's a seminary and he's a real punk. Listen to the podcast and then texted Riley to make fun of him. And then Riley's going to be upset. And so, Riley, you're a great guy. I'm sorry we got crossed about whether we should be standing or sitting. Um, but, uh, yeah. I think that's uh, that's probably it. I had another one, but I'm, I'm forgetting it. So... Um, you can just shout out the whole world like we always do. Shout out! The, I want to shout out the whole world and the mountains and the rivers <laughs> and nature. No, that's that's for Father Mike. We won't be doing that for a couple more months. So, good. I think that's all. Thanks, Father John. Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Feel free to 
like us smash <laughs> <laughs> smash that subscribe button please like us all right take all right, care God bless you guys we'll see you next week <laughs>